Welcome to this episode of I Didn't Sign Up For This. And these are conversations that we have that help youth pastors grow as leaders and help you and your ministries go further and go deeper. I'm here with my friend Nathan. Nathan, what is up? Man, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm alive and doing well. Um, I, had, I got the COVID uh, and it hit me pretty hard. I'm going to be honest. I, it knocked me out for... Um, about a week and a half, but man, I'm I'm back. I'm feeling better. Um, back to student ministry and excited to to go into the fall. Well, I'm glad that you are okay and uh, and and back at it. Uh, it's a great time to be in student ministry. I think uh, you know. I know we're not we're not through COVID and and it's still kind of hanging around. Um, but but I do where we are. I kind of sense this. Um, uh, not back to normal, but maybe a little bit of uh, of energy. I think ministries being re-energized, um, churches and students kind of wanting to get back to some of that. We were talking kind of off air, talking about some of the things that our students are wanting to get back into and things maybe we put on pause uh, during COVID and now we might be bringing back. And so certainly hope that that's the case for anybody out there who's listening uh, today or and when whenever you are, um, we want to take a minute and just thank our sponsor Augusta Kids and Company, uh, and uh, and we're so grateful for them and their f- support for what we do here and the conversations that we have, uh, and just can't thank them enough. Yeah, if you're looking for a great daycare in the CSRA area in Augusta, Evans, Harlem, Grovetown area, uh, we'd love to recommend you check them out. Um, you can go by their website at augkids.com. Well, this is called the I Didn't Sign Up For This Podcast, and we recognize that there are moments that we have in student ministry that, man, we just did not sign up for. Uh, things that we're surprised about that um, that kind of sneak up on us or asks that we um, that we encounter that have very little to do with student ministry. Uh, and so, Nathan... Yeah. Tee us off, man. What uh, What is the thing that you did not sign up for? I did not sign up to be a statistician. Wow. I didn't sign up for that. I'm not really I'm, – I'm okay with math. But one of the big, big things, and I think we've all kind of become this as we were watching COVID numbers and we mm-hmm. kind of like um, – I don't know about you, but I'm, I have these – site save that I'm like pulling up and I'm looking at numbers in the, in the country and numbers in our area. And I'm looking at, I'm doing all this research and I'm going, well, what's up with teenagers and how's their rates going? And oh, two weeks ago it was triple, but Hey, we're on the decline now. And, and so all this kind of stuff, like I'm, I'm looking at all this data and I'm looking at all this information and all this research. And, and I know there's, there's a lot of people that have a lot of theories and a lot of ideas about, um, COVID and the politicization of it, if that's the right, I don't know if that's the word. I think it's a word. Yeah. There you go. Um, and you know, masks and their thoughts on masks and, and all the different things. There's so much that goes into this. And I've found that I really have to have information and data to have a leg to stand on when we're having conversations, when we're making plans, when we're trying to run our ministry. And so I, I didn't sign up for it. But I've, I've had to learn kind of crash course, ready, set, go, where to look, where's the good data. 
um, and knowing what all the stats and everything mean. Yeah, and I think that there are a lot of people that are in that same club, and so it, <laughs> we we all um, that that's a, a I guess we're all in the same family, all in the same boat. I found myself looking at charts and graphs way <laughs> way more than I have since college, maybe. Uh, so yeah, um, we do. I don't know that I've ever shared this before. I might have, but I don't think I have. We do a big yard sale. I also know that I'm in a club of churches that do yard sales. Um, and, uh, it's pretty gigantic. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, this yard sale that we do, we give all the money to missions. Mm -hmm. So everything that we make, we don't keep, we give it away. Um, we give it away to mission trips that come from our church. We give it to organizations that are local and international and regional and, and pre COVID we were, we were making about 30 grand a yard sale. Wow. Uh, so given you know, upwards of even $70,000 every oh, wow. year. So it's a pretty big deal. Uh, but I did not sign up for uh, being the person who throws all of the leftover stuff <laughs> into a trailer uh, and like standing in a trailer and having like everybody's junk fall all over me for hours. <laughs> because, you know, like not all the stuff gets sold and it's got to go somewhere. And so we take all that stuff and we put it in a trailer and then and then we take that trailer somewhere and it, it disappears. I don't know what happens to it. Um, I don't I've no I don't want to know. But I'm the one that stands inside the trailer and people throw like bags of baby clothes at me that don't get sold and I have to like throw them up into the pile in the trailer and like pack it like Jenga. That I did not sign. I did not know that when we got into student ministry that that would happen. But. But here I am playing and, Tetris with other people's trash. Yes, uh, yeah, we call it other people's trash and treasures. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, that's coming up. So yeah, if you're local, you can get a great deal on on a lot of great treasure. Yeah, treasure. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So today we are we're we're gonna get into something that uh, I know um, talking about being in a club, uh, being in a, in a in a relatable situation. We all have leaders, and we all have students that are really, really hard to love. Uh, and if, and if, you, if we pause this for about 10 seconds, I'm pretty sure that at least one name would pop into your head and my head. In fact, I've already got one that's there, if I'm being real honest. And so we're just kind of a conversation around what, what does that look like? How can we position ourselves well to, um, uh, in our leadership and in our ministries to handle those difficult people well with love and with compassion and lead them and, and maybe find the right seat on the bus for them or, uh, or a number of different things. So uh, we do this in three parts, the grind, the grow, and the go. And the grind is kind of like w where the problem starts or, or what what the issue is and and why it's there. And so, Nathan, we've, we've all got these students. We'll start with students first. Right. But we all have these students in our ministry that are hard to love or that make things really difficult. Why? Why is this? Like what? What? I know like we could we could probably spend 30, 40, 60 minutes talking about this. But why, why is that? Uh, why does that happen? Well, and I think, um, you know, just to be very, very generic at first, and then we'll dive into some specifics. I think every student brings baggage and experience and their own story into the room with them. Um, and, you know, as, as pastors, we're trying to plan an event, a night, a service that reaches everyone, that reaches 
all the people that walk into the room, but we also know that they're not all the same. They all have their own baggage. They all have their own stuff that they're bringing in. And it all starts with, with that. It's what they bring into the room with them. And so, you know, we have students that are going, their parents are going through divorce and it's causing them to, they're not sleeping at night. Their parents are fighting. They're not doing well in school. They're stressed out. And all of that bleeds over. Um, and if you have leaders that love students, you know, as well as I do that, you know, we lash out at the people that we know will still be there when we're done lashing out. Yeah. that's true. Yeah, that's and true. so these students are lashing out at the people that love them, that they know are going to still be there when they're done. Cause they, they can't yell at mom and dad. They can't yell at their teacher at school. They, you know, probably have pushed friends away. And so this is what they do. They lash out at the people that are still there. Um, and so, man, it can be, it can be really, really difficult. I, you know, you also have students that just struggle. I mean, students that are, um, I mean, mental illness is a thing, you know, and how do you cater to a student that has ODD, um, operational defiant disorder. I've had a couple of students like that in my ministry that are actively trying to destroy things, actively trying to, to make things difficult and, you know, they're just a student and that's a mental illness. And so how do we love them in the midst of that? Um, everything to students that, you know, aren't trying to be difficult, that aren't trying to lash out, that are just difficult. I mean, and, you know, they just, um, I mean, social awkwardness that allows them to, you know, not really share super well. And when they do talk it, you know, the conversation lingers a little too long in the small group. And, you know, you, we all have that, that student in the group that you're sitting in the small group. And when that person raises their hand and starts talking, everyone goes, oh, this is going to take forever. And so it's not a one size fit all. We're not talking about people that are just trying to destroy. There's all sorts of students and types of things that cause, you know, difficulty and make things hard. Um, but what's, what's true is that we all experience it and it's, it's a problem. And it's not that the student is a problem, but the behavior becomes a problem when it influences what you're trying to do. And it makes it difficult to get the message across. It makes it difficult to process the conversation and it kind of just makes things not flow super well. And we can all see that that's, that's around and in our ministries. Yeah. Yeah. I can't add anything more to that at all. I, I would also say that um, we can say this, some of the same things about our leaders. Right. We can say some of the same things about our leaders and our volunteers. Uh, sometimes um, they are people that we inherit. Uh, like when we come on to a church or in an organization um, uh, and in a ministry, sometimes there are people that are already in place. Maybe your predecessor uh, ha- uh, brought them in. Uh, maybe they were a better fit with their leadership, but now is your leadership and, and things, um, can, we can kind of butt heads. Um, um, you know, maybe there's a, um, a difference in, in how we, we like to operate. Um, and so, and so there, there are those, there's that same kind of friction there sometimes with our leaders who become uh, really, really hard to love. I, I know I just kind of rattled off a couple of things why that is, but you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think we also um, have leaders that 
you know, they want to serve. They want, they're there to be a leader. And that comes from a heart of, of wanting to help and wanting to help the student. But that sometimes can come from, that can almost go too far, if that makes sense. And so this is difficult for us as leaders too, is to look past the behavior and look at the heart of the person. Mm -hmm. But it comes from this heart of wanting to love and serve. But what it comes across as is, well, I know better. Right. I've got the answer or this is the way I've always done it or this is the way we did it back at my church when I was a student or, and so again, knowing that the heart is in the right place, but what it does become difficult because we're trying to steer the ship in when someone's trying to go a different direction, it pulls energy and, and it pulls speed away from where we're trying to go. And so, you know, sometimes it's it's not we're not dealing with the heart of people wanting again, especially with leaders. Uh, I hope that we're not dealing with leaders that have a heart to be divisive and a heart to destroy the ministry. That's a whole other podcast, a whole yeah. other conversation. We're talking about leaders that are, are hard to love and make things difficult, but it's not that they're trying to destroy. It's just who they are and trying, and it comes from a good place. It comes from a place of loving the ministry, loving the students, but it just pushes them a different direct. It push is pushing a different direction than you're trying to lead. Yeah. I think not to belabor this or anything, but, but I know that when I was young in my ministry, I, I had a more difficult time uh, trying to channel the, those, those types of leaders that had a lot to give, um, but didn't know the way to channel that well. And, and and maybe I could have done a better job in my leadership of 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 like I said channeling them into the right place in into their right fit right. Um, so that their energy that they have so much of that they want to share um, can be can be put to good use in a productive uh, way that that you know ushers students in the presence of Jesus whatever that looks like and whatever context that is. And so if you're a young leader out there and you find yourself with maybe some older volunteers, not that you have to be old to be difficult, but, but if you find yourself young uh, and you've inherited people or you've got people that want to serve with you but, you, but you are terrified because you're afraid of how they're going to affect your ministry, um, it is, it is a, about recognizing their heart and figuring out what it is that they want to give and then, and then utilizing and leveraging that with good understanding and good communication. And we'll get into all that, but but I, just a note, like if you're a young leader, just to hang on. So that was the grind. Um, and now we talk about the grow. So what are some things that we can do? What are some um, tactics or some kind of nuts and bolts things that we can talk about when it comes to uh, loving difficult students and leaders? So for students... Nathan, talk to us about some things that we uh, can can do or ideas that we might could talk about right here um, that help us love uh, our, our difficult students. Yeah, um, and I think one of the, the simplest things, uh, we're a small group-based ministry, and so we're going to talk about that, talk about this idea from this angle. And one of the number one things we try to do is push students into small groups and get them connected to leaders one of the best things we ever did, and I actually got this from my coach, and he says this all the time, is you don't understand how important it is to have two leaders in every group. And it seems like, and I know for some of you, you're listening and you're going, man, I'm trying to get 
one leader for every group. And I, I, I understand we, I've been there. I'm still there. I still don't have two leaders in every group. Um, I mean, COVID is difficult and, and everything else, but it's so, so important for a lot of reasons, but in particular with difficult students is we don't want leaders in survival mode. We want them in leading mode. Hmm. And I think what we found for me and my leadership, I think that ratio is, is one to five, one to six is if I have one leader for every five or six students, then we're we have the ability to lead when it gets above that we just shift into survival mode. I'm just trying to get through the questions and keep you alive and not destroy the place until time is up. And, and so when we can add that second leader to your small group, it helps with that. Also, if a student begins to have a difficult day, if they begin to act out, if they begin to um, go off topic, if they begin, I mean, I've had students in the middle of a small group just bust out crying, just in the middle of it, just start crying. And it has the potential to just shut down everything. But if you have that second leader, one leader can keep the main group and the other can take that student off to the side, whether they're being difficult and, and not listening and rebelling or whether they're just having a moment and they need someone to talk to and it's causing difficulty and it's shutting down the conversation you can pull those students aside and begin to have the one-on-one with them. Um, at the same time, you know, if they are being difficult, our leaders are trained uh, to not discipline right away, but to recognize that there's likely something going on, that the behavior that we see is likely a byproduct of something that's going on in their world. And so we always try to ask, what's going on? Where is this coming from? Why, why are you acting like this? That begins to open up and get them to share what's going on in their world. What is causing them to feel this way? Um, and be honest, not all the time do they have an answer. They may not always have an answer. They may not know what's going on, but it's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. And then you can discipline after if you need to. I mean, I know people have different stances on discipline, but starting here is the same thing we said earlier. It starts with the heart. It changes our perspective when the way we see the student and it allows us to influence how we then discipline. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then I think, I think one thing that you and, and, and I kind of share in that, um, is that we don't we we don't ask our leaders to be the ones that discipline right. our students, uh, whatever that looks like. Um, because I always tell my leaders, "Hey, look, you're a volunteer for me. You're mm. a, and and so your job is not to handle um, the disciplining of students and make phone calls to parents and right. do reports if it comes to that. That's my job. I get right. I get paid." to do those types of things. I want you to, when you, when you come, I want you to have a, a, a great mindset and be in a good headspace. And you let me handle all the, all the, all not, you know, I, I say bad stuff like, um, but you know what I mean? Like I, I want to handle all the things that are difficult so that I can release you to go and do ministry. Right. And so, you know, I, I think that that's important to make sure if you have, if you've got leaders, just take care of them in that way. Don't, don't, don't put that on them. Um, 
offer uh, offer to to handle things. You know, once they escalate beyond just pulling students aside in, in the hallway or uh, you know into another space, um, anything after that right. kind of falls on us. It's great when a leader feels empowered to be able to pull a student aside, empowered to be able to have that conversation of of oh, tell me what's going on, what's going on in your world. But it's also freeing for them when you get you're the escalation. Mm-hmm. When things don't work, when they've tried their when they've asked their questions, when they've tried and now they can escalate it up to you. Um, there is and so you get to do the two things that we try to do with leaders where you empower them to lead, but you also free them up to love and not get bogged down in in that stuff. And so I think that's a great point. Yeah, it takes the pressure off too. I, you know, if you have volunteers, um, uh, one of the things that they might feel is that they have to have all the answers, yeah. right? That they need to be able to provide answers in every scenario and to take that pressure away from them uh, where they can bring the issue to you and then, like you said, kind of be released to go back and do ministry. I think that's a great, it's a great place to be uh, for leaders and for your ministry, Uh, just so you keep volunteers wanting to keep volunteering. All right, so Nathan, we also have leaders in our ministry that, um, man, they can make things tough too. And uh, and I think that, you know, if you've been in student ministry for a while or, you know, you've got a ministry where you've, it's it's more than just you or more than just you and your spouse that you've got leaders and, and they're an important part of our ministry. Um, uh, but there's also personalities, sometimes strong ones, uh, sometimes people with different ideas or different processes or different ways that they want to do things than you. How do we, how do we go about making sure that our leaders feel loved and encouraged um, and that they're they're freed to do ministry, um, but when when things become difficult, how do we handle that? Yeah, well, I think it's really important to start with recognizing that we are talking about volunteers. We're talking about people that are giving up their time, um, and it, we all have this innate part of us that wants to feel seen and wants to feel respected. Um, it's just kind of natural in us that we want someone to see us for who we are. We want someone to respect, um, not just what we're doing for the ministry, but also who we are as a person and how we're, um, sacrificing, if you will, for, um, the community, for the church, for the greater good, the kingdom, all of that. Um, but you know, sometimes it doesn't always go the way we want it to. We can have all the best plans and things can go wrong and, you know, leaders have things go on in their lives and life can get difficult. I'll tell you one of the things that's actually just as a side note for this is I've actually started as I bring on leaders and as I meet with leaders more and more, um, I have brought into almost every meaningful, intentional conversation with leaders. How's your marriage? Mm. Because I have seen a lot of leaders over my tenure of ministry that things aren't great at home and it ends up coming into ministry and then ministry influences home and things just downward spiral. Um, and so, you know, the home is where you rest. Home is your first ministry. And so we've started beginning to ask those questions and not that I want to dig into, I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm not trying to dig into your marriage, but I just want to make sure that you're thinking about it too and make sure that you are aware Um, and make sure you've got a good marriage and you're loving your spouse well. So that's a great, 
Uh, that's just a side note. Just for yeah. Oh, I think soft skills are a real thing. Yeah. Right. Soft skills are a real thing, and um, you know your your leaders are are people that you and me need to be paying attention to. Um, because without leaders, we don't, we don't have ministry, right? Right. Our, our sphere of influence shrinks down to just our own. Uh, and then every leader you have, you can grow your sphere of influence even wider. And so, you know, it's important to take care of the people that are take care, that are taking care of you and your ministry and your, and your students and your church. Um, and so soft skills are a real thing. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know if this is where you were going next, but oftentimes I know my leaders pretty well right? and I know when things are not good mm-hmm. and, and that could be not good at home or not good in the ministry, not good, like where we're headed. And so oftentimes I, what I try to do is I try to think to myself, how can I nip this in the bud? Mm. Like before this becomes an issue, where, where can I pull them aside or, where can I find time in my week to give them a phone call and say, hey, um, I was thinking about this, and I know we talked about it, but I want to know what you think. Hmm. And oftentimes, it's just that question. Yep. I want to know what you think, where even if you know where you feel, like where you know God is leading and you know the direction that you're going to take, Giving them an opportunity to open up that vent and get out what they need to get out. If you give them an opportunity to do that, even if you don't use anything they say, right? not to discount it, but to give them an opportunity to share, they have felt heard. Right. And then they're back on they're back on the team. Like yep. well, not that they ever were off the team, but but they're back in line. Like they're back they're back moving the same direction that you have moved. And it's just those soft skills implementing implementing, you know, those those kind of things where you take ten minutes and just give them an opportunity to share an idea or a desire or or a or a disagreement. Yep. Um and afterward Everything's good. Well, maybe not everything, but you know, like right. you know, then then they're, then they're back. They're back with you. Yeah, I think so often we, especially if you have a title, if you're if you're a full time or if you're part time, and you have the title of pastor next to your name, you're the youth pastor, you're the youth director, you're the youth whatever. Sometimes there is this kind of man. I don't know if I can bring this to them, or or I don't want to bother them. Um, and so we can really find that when you ask that question, you give them permission. Mm. And I was actually really early on in ministry and, and went to, um, uh, a mentor of mine and, and I asked her, she was leading and I was like, Hey, like, I, I feel like there's some, there's some discontent in my leadership. I feel like there's some turmoil. Um, and she said, you've got to give them permission. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what you permission to what she's like, whatever. Because so often we're just moving and going, but when we take the time to ask what they think and ask what they're feeling and ask what's going on, we're giving them permission to speak in where they probably wouldn't just come to you. It takes a special kind of person, to, a leader, a confidence to be able to just walk up and tell you what's wrong with them and with your ministry um, right away, but to give them permission opens the door for them to be able to, to share. And it is, I love the way you said to open the vent and deflate because it's building in them. Right. 
it is building in them. And if we don't allow them to vent it, then it may blow up and then we have a problem, but allowing them to vent. And then, you know, the other thing I would, I would say too, is about once a year, maybe twice a year, I actually, um, open the door and say, if you need to leave, you can go. Yeah. Not that I want you to go. Right. But so many times people stay because they feel obligated or they made a commitment. Like it's or, a blood oath. <laughs> right. And then what happens is they're not happy. Right. And they're showing up not happy. And right. then it's bleeding over into the other leaders. And and so oh, I love what you said about like opening up the vent. Ask the question and allow them to, to share. That's so important. Often I think that 10 minutes of pain alleviates like weeks and weeks of pain down the line, right? And right. given the option, like if you were to look back and you and you would say to yourself, I could experience 10 minutes of of uncomfortable conversation or I could experience weeks and weeks of discontent and and you know, argumentative behavior and you know, right. like which one would you rather do? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And so I you know, it, it's just being I think it's proactiveness. Just yeah. being proactive and and well, those soft skills. And don't be afraid of confrontation. And so one of the things that we tend to be as natural people, we don't love confrontation. Some people love confrontation and, and they're the rarity. But most of us don't love the idea of confrontation, especially with people that are volunteers, especially with people that are serving alongside of us. But it, like like you just said, Aaron, sometimes that, that confrontation in the beginning, before it becomes an issue... And again, confrontation is not the same thing as a fight. We're not talking about this knockdown drag out, but confrontation is I'm going to bring up something that I'm seeing or an issue, or I'm going to, you know, get, I'm going to ask the question, ask the question, allow you to open up the vent um, and just confront the issue, confront the elephant in the room. I think that's so important. Um, And a key here is when you do confront, when you do um, ask the question, we're not, don't be judgmental. That's not the goal here. The goal is not to discipline, to walk in with, well, here's what we're going to do about it. And here's how you're going to change. But instead is to ask questions and to learn how they're feeling, what's going on in their world. Um, how do they feel about their role in the ministry? How do they feel about um, where the ministry is going? All the things you were mentioning already. But to begin with that heart of, of learning and asking questions not with judgment or discipline is the great first step. Um, and then giving them opportunity to, to speak into the ministry or to step away from the ministry. Um, but then here's the key. Here's where, you know, I think sometimes we can respond with one of two things, either the discipline and hard line or the grace. And we'll just, Oh, it's okay. We talked about it. It's fine. I think this is the combination of the two where you, Allow them to speak, allow them to speak into, and then you go with this empathy first and try and understand. But then once they say, I'm in, when you give them an opportunity to say, hey, do you want to step away or do you want to stay and keep serving? Oh, I, I still want to serve. Well, then this is where you go, okay, well, fine. If that's where you, if I'm excited about that, but here's what I need moving forward. Right. Here are some of the expectations I need moving forward. And, you know, sometimes this is going to be a discipline thing where a leader made a mistake or they stepped out of line or they did something wrong. But also it can just be, I've had situations where a leader is just socially awkward. 
and they make people uncomfortable. And somebody's had come in and said to me like, Hey, they're, they're scaring the girls or she's making so-and-so and feel uncomfortable. And then we just have a conversation of, okay, well, how can we do better? How can we better interact with students? How can we, you know, not make those red flags go up? And, and so this is where you get to set some expectations. Hey, you said you want to keep serving. You said you want to keep doing. Here's what I need from you. Right. And now you begin to lay out some clear expectations of what you expect moving forward. Um, and this is a, a great way to do this, actually, is um, to actually start by asking them what they think first. And go, hey, obviously we're, there's something wrong. Obviously we're having this conversation. Something's going on. What do you think we should do differently? Uh, what do you think should change moving forward. They may have good answers and you roll with them. They may not. Well, then you get to sprinkle in yours at the end. Um, and one thing I I would encourage everyone to do, I, you know, when you end a meeting, you end a meeting either up or down. Mm-hmm. Again, these, this should be a one-on-one just to clarify. I don't know if we did that already, but this, if something's going on with the leader, this is a one-on-one conversation. And when you have not in front of other people, not, but just a one-on-one. And when you end the meeting, it will either end with a downward trajectory, which means when they leave, they're going to keep going down. They're going to think little of themselves, which means then that's going to be cast into thinking little of the ministry, a little of you or, and so it just aims down when you end the, or you can end the trajectory going up where they feel better about themselves and they feel better about the ministry. They feel better about their calling. And so that's important when you end the meeting, right? When you're having confrontation, when you're asking, Hey, I need you to do differently. I need you to be better in the meeting on a high and not just a suit, not just superficial. Hey, you're a great leader. Keep going, but find something that they do super well and go, man, you're phenomenal at this. I don't want this other thing to get in the way of this. Keep going and keep doing this. And when you end that way, you end reminding them of what they're good at, why God has called them here. And you end the meeting on a, on an upward trajectory. And it almost is like propelling them forward Mm -hmm. to go and be better instead of, well, you're terrible, get better. Um, And so I think that's really important. Be a ramp for them, not a, a valley, I guess. I right, know. sure. Yeah. I, and I think, too, like ending the meeting reaffirming that we're all on the same team. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like uh, I, I heard somebody say one time, and I've kind of implemented this with our own ministry and our own leaders, um, but but saying, look, we might disagree. Um, I'm, I'm, I love um, having different inputs, and it could be that Maybe, maybe I'm in going in the wrong direction, but when we leave this room or this meeting, we're all on the same team Absolutely. And, and we're all focusing on the same thing or we're all going in this direction. Um, and then if I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to tell you uh, and, and, and we'll, we'll use somebody else's idea. But when we walk out of this door, we're all of one team, all of one accord all move in the same direction because that, I mean, it's really hard to not be in the same, not be on the same team. Uh, so, okay. So kind of to wrap up the go, how do we implement? How, what do we do um, moving forward? 
uh, one of the things that, that I shared before was if we can learn as, as youth pastors, as leaders, as leaders of an organization, if we can learn to love the hardest person in our ministry in our, or in our organization, well, you can love anybody. Oh. If we can learn to love the hardest person, we can love everybody else. Uh, and that's a hard thing to do, but th- I think that if we were, maybe were to boil down everything we've talked about, if we can learn to love the most difficult person, uh, then we can learn to love everybody in our ministry. Yeah, and I think you know the first step to that, right? The first step to that loving that person is empathy, is beginning to change our perspective of them, to change the way we see them. That leader that you're like, man, they, they second-guess everything I say. Man, that student that always comes in and just talks nonstop. Man, that leader that, that really, I mean, they want my job. They're gunning for my job. Man, that, that student that, man, they're just, man, they're just trying to destroy everyone in their path. Man, that leader hates everything that I do. <laughs> <laughs> right? When we, we all have that person or that those thoughts come in our head we you can't really stop them but you can control what you do with them right and so if we can begin to to go no but see that leader is incredible at this mm-hmm. man that leader is awesome I mean, that student is a child of god if we can change our perspective and change the way we see them it, it allows us to then begin that process of learning to love them and i do think it is a learned skill to love difficult leaders and difficult students. Um, but Aaron, we were talking off, off air about a quote that you said, I would love for you to talk about it and, and tell people about this quote. Cause I think it, it says this in such a good way, this changing perspective. Yeah. So you're talking about like empathy uh, and changing our, changing our perspective and our view about students. I think that, uh, Especially when it comes to teenagers, a lot of times we think that we we have to fix them. Um, and I think the same thing can be said for leaders. Um, but somebody said, I don't remember who it was. I wish I could give them the credit. Um, but I was at a, a conference or listening to a podcast, and somebody said that teenagers aren't a problem to solve, but a wonder to behold. And I think the same thing could be, could be said for our volunteers. Uh, uh, and leaders in, in that, you know, people aren't a problem to solve, but a wonder to behold. And so um, in your ministry and your leadership, just remember before you head into Sunday night or Wednesday night or Sunday morning, that teenagers, your teenagers and your volunteers, they aren't a problem that you need to solve, but they are a wonder to behold. Uh, and just changing that perspective. Listen, if you have found this to be helpful, uh, we're going to ask you to do a couple of things. The first one is this, to leave a positive review on our podcast page, wherever you're listening, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, And shoot us an email. Let us know uh, what you thought of the podcast. Let us know what you Uh, took from it whether you enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it or how we could do better or if maybe there's something you want us to talk about maybe there's a topic you'd love for us to to dive into Um, and then also follow us on our social media like comment share on our social media we are on instagram and facebook at i didn't sign up for this podcast 
Thanks for joining us from wherever and whenever you are listening. And and we really do hope that this has been a conversation that's going to help you grow as a leader and help your ministry go further and go deeper. We'll see you next time.